Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It's Monday, October the 26th, 2020, and I'm joined here uh, with Pastors Jeremiah, Blake, and Jeff, and myself. I'm Pastor Jonathan, um, and uh, Monday Main Point is brought to you by the Rose of Sharon Baptist Church. It's our opportunity to sort of recap and uh, expand on the message that we heard on Sunday morning and we're continuing our series in Echoes from Exile, Prophetic Truths for Troublesome Times. And this past week, we looked at Hosea. And Hosea is the longest of the minor prophets that we're going to be looking at in this series. And just kind of give you a quick rundown of Hosea so we can uh, set the stage for our discussion today. Hosea uh, is a prophet to uh, Israel, about the same time as uh, Amos is, he, uh, he's preaching, he's doing his messages, prophetic messages, during the time of King Jeroboam, roughly about 25 years worth of preaching. Most of his messages, we were just discussing right before we started recording, are all po uh, sort of in poem form. It's very poetic, um, but there is a, there's there's some great allegory here, and especially in the first three chapters of Hosea. So as you'll recall, um, maybe from our previous episode, um, Israel, uh, during the time of Jeroboam, is uh, doing very well, but at the same, uh, militarily speaking, and they're very, they have a lot of success, and there's a lot of luxury and things, but they're not doing so well in the way that they're following God. In fact, they're worshiping other idols, especially uh, uh, Baal, and um, they're also, uh, there's a lot of injustice going on. And they're, they're just, in general, uh, not being the people that God had called them to be. And so Amos goes to Israel with yet another warning. And, and he goes there, and, and it's interesting, these first three chapters are all based on this beautiful parallel that we're going to talk a lot about today, because that's where the message really came from, Jeff. Um, between um, uh, uh, Hosea's marriage to his wife, his wife Gomer, and God's relationship with His covenant people Israel, um, and God tells Hosea to marry Gomer. Gomer is a uh, a prostitute, and He tells him to marry her as an example, as to be a living example of how Israel was prostituting herself as a nation, as a people, rather, um, uh, from, from God. God had, had, cut, had entered into covenant relationship with Israel. Israel was, was prostituting herself. And so uh, this was supposed to be this, this, uh, this living example of what Israel was going on. It was this marriage between Hosea and Gomer. And uh, Gomer leaves Hosea. Maybe multiple times. I wonder if the Bible doesn't say. I mean, but you know, but maybe maybe leaves in multiple times. They have children together, um, but uh, it sounds as though these are not his kids uh, because she's gone off with other lovers. And at the point that you would think that uh, he would be done with Gomer, God actually tells him to go back to her, go back to her, and purchase her, pay the price that. Um, that she, uh, her, her ransom price, because she had sold herself into slavery, and buy her back and love her. 
And he said, this will be an example of how he would love Israel despite the way that they had been unfaithful to him. And so that's the first three chapters, really, of Hosea. Then chapters 4 through 11 is a section of basically accusations and warnings. It finishes with a beautiful, uh, another beautiful allegory um, of, of restoration and hope where God talks about himself as a father and Israel as his son um, and how he doesn't want to give up on, rebel- on his rebellious son. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit. And then 12 through 14 are more warnings, more, ac- more accusations, more warnings. And again, chapter 14 finishes up with this picture of restoration. So overall, the theme that, that you pull from, from Hosea is that um, despite uh, uh, Israel's sin and their unfaithfulness, God's love is greater and God's faithfulness is greater and God desires to be merciful and God desires to save. And um, it's just a beautiful picture of God's love, guys. I mean, really, honestly, Hosea is... Um, more so than any of the other three, this is the third one we've looked at. Out of the three books we've looked at so far, this is a great picture of God's love. Um, and so, let's just let's just kick off and, and and talk a little bit about the love of God as we see it in Hosea. One thing that stood out to me, Jeff, and, and, and I'll I'll throw this out is that God doesn't just tell Hosea to go back to Gomer and marry her. He says, love her. There's a big difference between those two things. Yeah, he went and he paid that ransom price and he brought her back into himself just as God told him to. But how hard would it be to love her? I mean... What does that relationship look like? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that's really key because um, he could have freed her, purchased her back, and then said, now you're free to go live your life, and, you know, we can be divorced now, and, you know, I've gotten you out of this situation you put yourself in. But he didn't. He's like, no, this is a, a covenant relationship. I, I, I'm committed to you, even though you were unfaithful to me, and and... So it shows us really that love a lot of times, you know, in premarital counseling or counseling afterwards or, or spiritual counseling is what we call it here. Um, to, tell, to, to try to get people to understand, a lot of times people say, well, I don't feel like I'm in love anymore. That love's more than just a feeling or an emotion. Yeah. It's actually a, a, a choice. It's actually a, a decision. And um, so he had, he had to choose to love her. And to love her unconditionally, to love her in, in a way that really most of us couldn't love. Mm. And, of course, that's going back to God's love for us and what Christ did for us. And um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, he could have set her free and then been done with her. But, no, he, he, he brought her back to be in that relationship. And I think that's the way God is with us, too. He wants that relationship with us more than anything else. Right. And uh, because it is love, um, it is something that uh, that we can't, as humans, can't generate that of ourselves. It's something we have to experience, and then God gives us the ability to show that to other people. Yeah, I agree. And, and when I think about, you know, we talk about that 
with all these prophets and these examples, we often look at Jesus as the greater of whatever, right? So, I mean, Jesus is definitely the greater Hosea. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right? right? Jesus is the greater Hosea. And in, 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 and I would say in that way in particular, well, well, we can look at how is Jesus the greater Hosea. Actually, let's, let's camp there for a second. How, Jeremiah, how do you see Jesus as the greater Hosea? Yeah, so Jeff made a really good point about how a lot of times in the text, particularly this text, we see ourselves as Hosea. Um, so uh, we, we see ourselves as Hosea as opposed to seeing Jesus as Hosea. But it was Jesus, uh, particularly in Hosea chapter 3, Hosea goes back and purchases a redeems uh, Gomer. And that's, that's the greatest picture there in, in Hosea chapter 3 of uh, Jesus purchasing or Hosea purchasing Gomer which is like Jesus who purchased us while we are uh, running running a wild running rampant and running away from him uh, getting ourselves in a bunch of messes he shows his unconditional love to us and buys us back redeems us so that we can be back in that covenant relationship with him so beautiful picture of, of Christ and uh, what he did on the cross to purchase our salvation yeah like, yeah, I'm reminded of uh, Jesus and his disciples because Jesus obviously chose his 12 disciples and he knew that they were very immature. They constantly were doing things that were just not godly at all, like being mean to little kids. Uh, they con- Jesus had to ask them, you know, how many times, you know, do I have to tell you, you know, you people of little faith? But he constantly pursued them even yeah. when they didn't pursue him. And the fact that he still chose to love them, and like it says in Scripture, for the joy set before him, he went and endured the cross for us. So that's a, that's what I'm reminded of when I see this, just his faithful love that never quits pursuing us. Yeah, and I, what I think of, or a couple of things. One, going back to what I was saying earlier, I it's it's one thing to, to bring somebody who's been unfaithful back into your home. It's another thing entirely to love them unconditionally and adopt them and, and you know and, and to to make your home in their heart you know and 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 so there there, there seems to be i think um a greater uh ex- like a greater love that god shows and he does that through a higher price you know Ho- hosea as you pointed out pays um 15 15 shekels of 15 shekels. silver and a half a uh, what half five bushels of barley, or something like a measure of barley, um, one set of measure of barley and measure of wine. Yeah. And I really like that comment. I like that thing that you that you brought up, how the 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 barley and wine remind us of communion. Yeah, that uh, was the New Living Translation, and I'm not sure how they got the wine in there. I'm not sure either. But, there's, there's uh, I couldn't let it just slide because it was. Oh, well, I, one of the one manuscript reads barley in a measure of wine. Okay, so one so, of the early manuscripts does. So when you look at that, then it does say, okay, here's a purchase price, and then the the fifteen pieces of silver. Of course, then we think of Judas and the money, yep, yep. and then we look at the barley and the wine, and we think of the Lord's Supper, the bread and wine. <laughs> so, and if she was a temple prostitute, maybe the barley and all was part of the deal that you had to make a pay something in order to pay the God off too mm-hmm. to get her back. So, I mean, there's there was all kind of avenues there to go, but I, I went with the one that clearly for us as Christians painted the picture that you can't really, you can't ignore it. 
Right. You, know, you just can't ignore it. So. Right. And then that, what, and that leads into what I was going to say is that while Hosea paid 15 shekels of silver and this barley and wine, Jesus pays with his life. Yes. Absolutely. You know, he, he pays a much higher price uh, to redeem all of us. And, and he calls us his bride. I mean, yeah, we, yeah. We, we're, we're actually, I mean, you can't like read Hosea. I mean, I guess you could read Hosea as maybe a poetry or allegory or whatever, but you can't really, really, really read Hosea without seeing the church, the bride, the imagery, the what Jesus takes on in the New Testament right? as the embodiment of, I'm doing what Hosea did, you know, with you people, and not only you, but, but the world, right? you know. All the all the uh, prostitutes out there, all the <laughs> children out there that have been scattered, all the people that have been abandoned and neglected and sold into slavery and all that. I'm here for all of them. So, yeah. so it's just like I said when I the, when I was preparing for this message, I was like, you know, a lot of the messages he does is, is you know just just um, dittos Amos and his preaching and but. But when I was preparing for it, when I when I saw that quote that Boyce gave about this is the greatest chapter in the Bible, I'm like, okay, I better look at this thing real carefully, and I put it aside. But God kept bringing me back. This this is where you need to go. So, um, you know, it it's you you just can't not see it unless you just don't want to see it. That, right. I certainly, with New Testament eyes and a New Testament perspective, yes. there's no way to look back at Hosea and not see. Jesus Christ and yes. what in God's God's plan of redemption for His people, and I mean you brought that out um, in in multiple passages from from not just uh, Paul, but I really like the one from First uh, Peter because yes. I love First Peter two nine through ten anyway. That's a those are great verses. I'm gonna flip over there and, just, and if you think about you, Peter, uh, Paul Paul's writing to the Roman Church, of course, was experiencing persecution <clears throat> and they were being dispersed. And Peter's writing to the church that has been dispersed as well. Right. And they're both using this imagery of Hosea and the not my people, uh, that, that this is what Hosea was pointing to. This is that time now where God's gathering his people back. He's gathering even the Gentiles into this nation now, that now we're all, we are a people, including the Jewish believers, have become part of this new people of God. What's really interesting, Jeff, <clears throat> excuse me, is that um, I think you're absolutely right. And this First Peter two nine through ten, um, uh, I've I've always liked those verses. And I'm looking I'm looking at my footnotes. You know how sometimes with footnotes, mm -hmm. it'll say, "Oh, this is pulled from this." You know, right. and it'll kind of direct you to other passages in the Bible, and they don't mention Hosea at all here. But you're absolutely right. He is he is absolutely referencing Hosea. I'm gonna read this because it's so good. Um, First Peter 2, 9 through 10 reads, But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And here it is. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Mm -hmm. You had not received mercy but now you have received yeah, mercy. That's both of those children, and, that and that's both right. Prostitute. That's both of the children that we uh, uh, that that Hosea has. Uh, Hosea has those three children: Jezreel, meaning destruction; um, uh, Lo Rama, Rama, right, yeah. which means uh, uh, no mercy, and then Lo Ami, which means not my people. Yeah. And here you have both of those 
and, and God even says in Hosea, you who are not my people will be my people. Mm-hmm. You who didn't have mercy will have mercy. And here we have First Peter in First Peter 2, in this New Testament passage, clearly the, the sort of full, full fulfillment of those mm-hmm. words from Hosea. Man, that's just good stuff. Yeah. And in case you're wondering, I, I know we're running with this allegory, and we called it allegory, right? But uh, it's explicit. Sometimes we kind of run with allegories, or the church in general runs with allegories that aren't explicitly stated in the text. But uh, especially in Hosea chapter 2, God kind of explains the allegory for us. So there's not we're not left wanting or trying to figure things out. It's, yeah. it's easier to see God's love, less explicitly to see Christ's love. But there are some there's are there are definitely some places in, in Hosea where it explicitly is talking about not just God's love, but God's love and his son's love, Jesus' love. Uh, one of those is my probably my favorite, and I don't Jeff can probably tell me, but um, in, in chapter three, verse five, where it talks about David their king, is that the only time it talks about David? I think so. There's some references. Yeah, I, think I referenced to... a couple of times. Uh... I think we're doing the restoration part. Well, yeah, they, they mentioned. There's clearly some re- references. You're right. In, in yeah, they're saying three five. Uh, I think that's the one you're yeah. representing. Yeah. They'll return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendant, their king, in the yeah. last days. So, um, yeah, there was definitely a lot of messianic. Mm-hmm. Um, one, there was there were two um, particular verses that that were used uh, in Hosea. The most famous, of course, is out of Egypt I brought my son, yeah. mm-hmm. which, which is then Matthew 11. explicitly says 11, this yeah, is yeah. talking about Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. So there's definitely messianic, and if you think about it in Hosea's day, I mean, he's a prophet. He marries a a prostitute. I believe it was a temple prostitute. I think she was a well known one. Um, there was no question about that. They knew the father's name. He could have been the priest of the temple, whatever. So, um, so as he's walking around town, he's the man of God preaching those messages that Amos were, was preaching, very similar messages. And you're like, wait a minute, you're married to this woman and you're trying to tell us what to do? And then they start having these kids and then she leaves him and he's got all these kids that don't belong to him. So everywhere he goes, you know, people probably like, hey, is this your son? Like, well, let me tell you the story. So he's like telling the story, then he has to tell the story. Yeah. So what I'm going through is what we're going through as a nation. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so if you think about it, that's kind of what was happening for twenty five years. Mm. Uh, we don't know how long they were separated. We don't know how long the restoration part took place and all that. But we do know that he does go back and get her. And again, it's on the public square, uh, the humiliation, everything. He brings her back in. Uh, so he so he is this walking, living example to the people. Yeah. But so when these people then get carried off. They know the story of Hosea, and right. they have this promise in the back of their mind. Well, he he's told us all along, you know, we're going to be scattered and all this, but we're going to be gathered back, and that God is going to bring David, the King David, the Messiah, and we're going to be a people again. <clears throat> yeah. So that was the hope he was trying to give them. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that's nestled into this prophecy here. That's nestled into Hosea. Yeah. Where, where were you going to go with that though? On the on the David, their king. I'm curious. Well, I just wanted to show that that Jesus, the relationship between, like, it's not just an allegory about God and Israel. It is a, 
it is an allegory about Jesus and the church, and that mm. there's there are some explicit statements that that take us there. We're not just running with something that's real small, but right, we're not we're not hyper spiritualizing this yeah. or hyper yeah hyper Christianizing this this text. Yeah, but yeah. Um, and another thing I've noticed in Hosea too is in Hosea chapter six verse two. There's possibly a resurrection motif mm-hmm. in Hosea. It says. Um, I'll start in verse 1. It says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. Mm -hmm. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Mm. And uh, I've noticed here in this commentary that it's possible that when it says on the third day, this could be what the... uh, uh, in Luke chapter 24, when Jesus is talking about how the scriptures point to him on the third day specifically... That it's possible that it could point towards Hosea chapter six, verse two here. Mm. Right, and of course, <clears throat> to to sort of piggyback on that, Blake, yeah. and Jeff mentioned this verse uh, as well. But in Hosea thirteen, <clears throat> we have the 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 text that Paul will quote, where he oh, talks yeah. about uh, in Hosea thirteen fourteen, where he says, "I will ransom them from the power of Sheol. I will redeem them from death. Death, where are your barbs?" Sheol, where is your sting? And so, yeah, and I brought that up in that passage because he was buying her back from the slave, he was paying a price which the law said kill her, mm. stone her, mm. you know, disinherit her, get rid of her. Mm. And so, he was he's actually going above the law to, to, to bring her back into a covenant relationship with him. So, he was actually paying the wages of death. Mm. And so Paul then takes that that thing to to talk about the resurrection that you know death where you're sick that's where all this comes from that, yeah. that great passage that Paul talked about in the resurrection that 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 was the the payment that Christ made for us too he had to pay that 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 penalty of the wages of sin which is the deaths let's talk about something you just brought up because I, I, I and I I'll admit when I when I read this on my own, I didn't think about it. But then when you brought it up in the message, it really resonated with me. And that's the fact that the law said, "Kill her." The law says, "You're she's your property. You can do whatever you want to with her. You're you're within full rights. You would be just in destroying her, not just destroying your relationship with her, but destroying her." And so often we we hear people. Clamor for justice. I want justice. I want justice. But I think what people really want, especially when it comes to our own sin and our own wrongdoings, is we want grace. We want mercy. And and while God is certainly a God of justice, we can't miss the fact that He's a God of mercy and and a God of, of second chances, a God of grace. And... Man, that, that's such a great picture there. Hosea could have, uh, could have, was it within full rights to destroy? God's in full rights to destroy us. Um, and it would be just. And it would be just yeah. if he did. You know, I, I, I hear people all the time say, and this is something I'm sure you've probably heard before, you know, um, well, what about so-and-so who never hears the gospel, right? And we, we get those questions as pastors sometimes. What about the person on the dark side of the earth that doesn't, that doesn't have access to the gospel? What happens if they die? What happens if, if they die in their sins? And it's not 
fair, they'll say. It's not fair. It's not. It wouldn't be fair for God to punish them eternally or to separate himself from them eternally um, because they never had the chance to respond to the gospel. And, you know, of course... My answer is I would love to say, yeah, that's the you know the God God's going to give them a chance as well. The God gives everybody this chance, and if they die, pardon me, He'll offer. But we don't know that. We can't say that. The Bible doesn't allow us to say that. But what we can say is this: when we talk about how it's not fair, well, well, if if we got what's fair, if we got what's just then the earth would open up right now and just swallow me up. Because I'm, you know, if I actually got what I deserved, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then I I would, I, I would, I receive death. I'm just like Gomer, right? If I got what I deserved, I get death. What, what God has done is God has offered me what I don't deserve. Yeah. I and earn it, don't right. deserve it. Yeah. And that's kind of what um, Hosea is teaching too, because... Really, God could have sent the Assyrian army there and could have just wiped everybody out, mm-hmm. killed them all, you know, women, children, everything. But but because they went into captivity, it was the way of, yeah, they, they received punishment for their sin, but at the same time, they were preserved. Yeah. He preserved life. He preserved a people that he could call back eventually. And um, so, so the same thing happened with 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 Gomer, even though she deserved death, and he could have had her die, he brought her back in, and he had a time period where he let her heal, and you know, and and that that time period too was to show Israel there would be a time period where you're going to be restored, you will eventually be brought back, um, but it was all about preserving life because he could have just wiped them out, yeah, and it had been done with it, yeah, it had been gone off the face of the earth. But he didn't do that. And it would be just. Yes. And it would be so, fair. So it's love and judgment is the balancing mm-hmm. act here yeah. in Hosea. Amos was judgment, 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 judgment. <laughs> and God's like, okay, Amos, all right, it's time to retire. Hosea, <laughs> here's here's your ministry. Go back and marry a prostitute. Have some kids, illegitimate kids from all the guys she's sleeping with. And just kind of tell everybody that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and here's the message. Yeah, we're going to be defeated by the Syrians. We're going off into um, captivity. We're not going to be a people anymore. But but there is hope and there is love in with this justice. And that's the whole. And then, of course, we see it on the cross where Christ yeah. takes all the wrath of God, all the just, just judgment and the punishment. Right. So it, it's... When when you you know when we started this thing we talked about how everything's so interconnected it, it is so interconnected when you really start digging into it yeah I agree uh, you can't escape the connectivity yeah I agree uh, of it and that's why you know I've tried to we try to challenge our people to get into the Bible and read these things and I know as a lay person and not really uh, trained in a lot of uh, hermeneutics stuff like that you know reading the Bible sometimes is difficult <clears throat> but at least if you have some base knowledge. Where somebody can show you that's you know done the work and done the homework and preached. I mean that's why we use commentaries and things like that. We're not geniuses either, but God then begins to reveal to us, hey, here's a clear picture of what's happening. Yeah, that's right. And um, so I just want to encourage people if they're listening to, you know, read ahead, uh, take each book. I mean they're they're. So we got past the longest one. Spent some time reading the other books. I think like the next one might be one of the shortest ones. One chapter, yeah. 21 verses. You can read it like every day. And uh, you can almost memorize the thing. But um, just to kind of 
have your heart prepared for what what the message is going to be. Because here's what these people had to do: they go into captivity, and all they had was the oral things that people told them, like, "Hey, remember when we were in Israel? Remember that prophet Hosea? Yeah, he was kind of crazy. Yeah, didn't he marry a prostitute? Yeah, yeah." So they were telling the story um, to help them have mm-hmm. that hope. Mm-hmm. That the hope there is going to be a hope, right? And we're fortunate that we have we have it written down. So yeah. So uh, I, got, I got a verse for what you were just saying, Jonathan, about uh, what's fair, right? Yeah. Justice, and, and it ties again back to Amos, but it's Hosea two nineteen. Uh, God is speaking to Israel, and it says, "I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you mm-hmm. to me in righteousness." And in justice, mm-hmm. in steadfast love, and in mercy. He doesn't mm-hmm. stop with righteousness and justice, but but continues right. on and says, it's with my steadfast That's love yeah. and my mercy. And then verse 20 says, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. So mm-hmm. it's all about him wanting to have that relationship restored. Right. And so we and we see that fleshed out with, with Israel's story because, um, and, and we'll see with Judah as well, because... Injustice, he punishes them for their sins. There's consequences for what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to fall to the Assyrians, but he's also made this promise that I I won't stop there. I'm going to restore. Yeah. I, there's always and every one of these books, even as dark as Amos was, um, and it was full of woe and all that. There's always this glimmer and glimpse of hope. Sometimes it's brighter than other times, but there's always a it's like God says, yes, I'm going to be just, but I'm being just towards restoration, yeah. towards mercy, towards love. Let me let me use that to sort of springboard us as we're closing out our, our time together today into what we sort of had in mind when we started doing this series to begin with, which is how do we take this message that's all about Israel and this guy who marries this prost- this temple prostitute and all this. How do we take this message and apply it to the everyday person um, who is maybe listening right now? How, how does this apply to their life? Where do you see the intersection of that? And I'll just kind of go around the table. Yeah, so I'll go probably the same place I went last week. And that's uh, Hosea 6, 6, which Jeff read. And he read it in multiple translations. Uh, I'll read here what what the ESV says, and then I'll read the translation I wrote down. I'm not sure exactly what translation it was, but hmm. it says this. And remember, I like to, when God says I want something or I don't want this, I like to listen. I, I want to know what God wants so that I can please Him. But he says, for I desire or I want steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Mm-hmm. And I know I brought this up last week. I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but that's just where my heart is right now. But um, the translation that I wrote down, probably from the NLT or the message, I'm not sure. But it said, I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Yeah, NLT. Mm-hmm. NLT. So it says, I, God, God says, I want you to know me. And he wants that relationship with us way more than he wants our things and our stuff. 
But far too often it gets preached that God just wants. He wants. He's got his hands out or whatever. He needs from us. He wants all these sacrifices. He needs our time, which all of those we should be graciously giving out of gratitude. But what he really wants is our hearts, and he wants to know us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And I just think that Hosea is a picture of that right there, that um, unconditional love of God, that there's no conditions. He loves us regardless uh, of uh, our, our sin and all those things. Uh, so that's that would be the last thing, and I think that's, that applies good. But I do have one question that I want to ask Jeff to kind of end. So I'll let y'all go through, and then we'll maybe end there. Okay. I'm going to throw this back to our Who's Your One series we did about roughly a year ago. Um, and how uh, Jeff started out his sermon yesterday talking about being a walking Bible. I'm mm. sure back in Hosea's time here, I'm sure he had many, many words with Gomer about her unfaithfulness. For sure, but here we see Hosea is really a walking Bible to someone who really needs a walking Bible in their life, and so and we see that in a way, Gomer is kind of like Hosea's one. We mm-hmm. see here, so we see this emphasis on uh, in a New Testament sense evangelism here, and he is really showing the love of God and showing the justice of God and the mercy of God right here. So uh, I'll just encourage our listeners to remember the remember your one and share a, share the gospel with them this week. Mm-hmm. All right, and and to get to talk about what um, uh, Jeremiah said too about the knowing God, I think. During this time of pandemic that we're in, this time of, uh, you know, we've put everything on pause, this inconvenient time, you know, with the Israelites, it was for 70 years. Uh, well, it's actually longer for the, the Israelites because Judah comes in and Judah was the one that was 70 years. So these people were in exile for many, many, many years. And it's during that time of exile was where God was trying to get them to, to restore that relationship with him all their idols are gone now. They're being—they're uh, in a situation which they never would have wanted to choose for themselves. But now that while I'm here, what am I going to do about it? And it was to prepare their hearts to be be ready for the Lord, and so and to be ready then too when they did get a chance to go back to to serve Him and live for Him. And so I think that's kind of the the take I'm looking at it is that all this that we're going through this exile period. Um, who knows? It may be, may be, maybe a year and a half. It might have been a year. Who knows how long it's going to be? But the church needs to take advantage of this opportunity to really get to know the Lord and let the Lord know us. And then when we come back, then if we've all been doing that, then then we're all going to be grown so much more spiritually that we're able to go then and help the people out there. Be that walking Bible um, for the people out there. Good stuff. Go ahead and ask your question. I'll go ahead and. All right. back over to you because so Jeff you said something that man just piqued my interest uh, and I really liked it I think I knew what you meant but I just want to I want to hear you elaborate on it a little bit but you said that I can't remember which way you said it but that idolatry equals adultery mm. or did you say adult adult uh, adultery equals idolatry I can't remember yeah and so the the whole uh the whole purpose of Hosea marrying this this prostitute and she's committing adultery because she's in a covert relationship with her husband now, um, that God then is showing, because the way they committed 
idolatry, there was two ways. Yeah. The one I've hit on mostly was the spiritual. Mm-hmm. They, they put up the two golden calves in the two places, Dan and Bethel. Mm-hmm. And even in the New Testament, when Jesus goes to the woman at the well, I mean, she could have been uh, similar to uh, Gomer. Mm-hmm. You know, she had several husbands and all. So, so, but, so she was like, this is where we're supposed to worship. Yeah. And, and so, um, so, so they were worshiping false gods instead mm-hmm. of going to Israel, to, instead of going to Jerusalem when they're supposed to, they set up their own gods. And instead of letting Levites then say, hey, okay, if we're going to do this, then we're going to let these Levites be the leaders. They put up their own uh, false priests, basically. Yeah. That kind of just let them do whatever they wanted to because they wanted to be like the other nations. Uh, and then the second way they had, um, so I would call that a spiritual idolatry, which would be adultery. I mean, God's supposed to have that place in our heart, and now I'm, I'm stepping out on God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other way they did it was through alliances. Yeah. First, they made alliance with Egypt, thinking, hey, if we get with Egypt, then we're going to be cool. Well, the Syrians go around them and take care of Egypt, and now they got to make an alliance with Assyria. Yeah. And they think that now we're safe, but basically uh, Assyria is going to come back and say, all right, we're ready for you now. Yeah. They're just going to mm-hmm. gobble them up. And so when they paid the price for Assyria, they took all the... They took all their, uh, everything they had to pay them. And then later on, Judah's going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're going to basically give the temple, all the stuff from the temple to, to try to bribe them to keep them from putting them under yeah. siege and killing them. So, so politically and spiritually, we depend on other things rather than God. Rather than God. And so yeah. we do the same thing today. Yeah. We, we commit the same kind of idolatry today, that. which would be, a spiritual adultery, and and that is exact. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and run with it because that's exactly where I was gonna go with where I think this is most applicable. So much right now today, I think that so many people are depending on everything else, and we we're in this. We've we've been in this situation now for almost a year, and everybody looks for answers. Everybody looks for what they think is the solution. And, of course, right now, it it being election season, uh, everybody thinks that their man, their woman is the one who has all the answers. That If only we can get this person in office, then things will go back to normal. If only we can get this person out of office, then we can can restore ourselves and we can can get past this pandemic, you know, Uh, know, like, like, like they're putting all their hope and all their trust in political candidates and people and systems and it's so much like what israel was doing in these days of hosea israel was you just said it they were going to assyria they were going to egypt they were trying to and god the whole time is like look i'm the one that made you i'm the one that loved you i'm the one that i love in hosea 11 he says like a father to a son I'm the one that taught you to walk. I'm the one who who led you out of Egypt. I'm the one who rescued you. Mm-hmm. And you go to all these other people instead of coming to me. And 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 you think, well, that that would if if that was a you know, if that really was a father, that father would get sick and tired of of this rebellion and this this you know, um, this turning away from uh, from him and his love. And uh, and at first in, in, in Hosea, again, Hosea 11, 
he says, you know, all this, I, I, you know, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt, I called my son. And he says, it was I who taught uh, Ephraim to walk, taking them in my arms, but they never knew that I healed them. I led them with human cords, with ropes of kindness. To them, I was like one who eases the yoke from their jaws. I bent down to give them food. And and then and then he goes and and then he talks about well I'm just gonna have to punish them, and and then I love this in in Hosea eight and this is what I would say to those of you who might be tempted to depend on someone else other than God, uh, you might be tempted to depend on political people. Ask yourself if they would say this to you: How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I surrender you, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zebuim? I've had a change of heart. My compassion is stirred. I will not vent the full fury of my anger. I will not turn back to destroy Ephraim or Ephraim. This is it. For I am God and not man, the Holy One among you. I will not come in rage. Mm. <clears throat> the reason we trust God in these days is because he's God and not man. Yeah. And that's Amen. that's that's where I that's where I land on this. Man, this has been a good discussion, guys. Um, we're right at 40 minutes. This is um so next week we got what? Obadiah? Obadiah. 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 21 verses, right? 21 whole verses that Blake is going to going to be preaching on and so I know he's excited about that. We're we'll be right back here uh, next Monday to discuss Obadiah and all 21 verses in detail. If you've never read, if you've never read a whole book, Sunday's going to be a great day in your walk. Sunday's a great day. You have no excuse not to read Obadiah. That's right. All right. Well, listen, it's been great to be with uh, all my brothers here today and been great for you uh, to uh, be able to join with us. Uh, we'll see you next Monday here for Monday Main Point. Thanks for coming. Mm-hmm.